Gosh, I feel like this week has been nothing mm-hmm. but end of year oh, school yeah. stuff. So, I mean, I, I feel like I've been to the school mm-hmm. more times than I have in the entire year, like put together kind of thing. Oh, I, I definitely have, for you sure. Know, look, I'm always excited. I love to celebrate straight A's and honor roll mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But, dude, I got to tell you about this embarrassing moment, which is pretty, I don't know, it's pretty characteristic of, of what would happen to me. So, I think... Same with you in a way. So we're kind of running a little bit late for this honors day presentation or whatever. And we kind of get in there and not late. It's just, you know, I, boy, I'd like to kind of get there early, find my seat. Yeah. You know, kind of not be the one that's kind of coming in like minutes before and at least get there before the kids file in. So I can be like, Hey guys, you know, over here, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they can kind of spot you in the gymnasium. Well, instead of coming in like Kramer, just disheveled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, we get there. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not late. We're still early. But just, you know, everybody's kind of in their seats. The kids have already kind of filed into the gymnasium. We're sort of just like, you know, in that crowd right before they shut the, do- the doors. Mm-hmm. So we find our seats. But before that, we're kind of like walking. Now we have to walk in front of hundreds of parents, right? Right. And I'm kind of like, hey, how's it going? Hey, man. Hey, you know, wow, it's already, can you believe, I know, right? It's already summer. Nuts, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then I sit down, I'm like, you know, I'm in a good mood. And I look down at my, at my uh, I'm going to put my phone back in my pocket. Uh-oh. And I kind of notice like, dude, my pocket has basically been inside out. You know, just poking out like a dadgum cow's ear. <laughs> Just walking in front of hundreds of people with this pocket inside out, just flapping in the wind in all of its glory. And I'm like, dude, you know, this is like pure synchronicity. So for our dear listeners, I was a little bit late. I had a teledoc appointment with my doctor earlier. And then my daughter got off half day. By the way, hello, Amelia. I'm happy that school is out. But I swear to God, if you're loud over this summer, I'm going to lose it. This is just for when my daughter listens to this show, like, in 20 years. Anyway, I just walked halfway to the bus stop and realized that I've already said, hey, gave fives to, like, 20 kids. And the old barn door is wide open. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Happens to me all the time, dude. What is the deal with it? It's the worst, pal. (sighs) Yeah. Hey folks, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I am your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey pal. I finally watched... And I don't understand how I'm the last one yeah, exactly. to have seen it. I think it's just because of all the crazy stuff uh, with my, you know, family member that wasn't doing too well health-wise and stuff. Mm-hmm. But somehow, I was the very last out of our D&D group to finally watch the Dungeons & Dragons movie. Yep. What the heck, man? Yeah, I, I, I mean, this isn't, I understand that we, I mean, we really had a lot going on. Like, my daughter was in the hospital your father-in-law 
was having yeah, some We don't have to get into it all. No, 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 we, I'm not we were, getting into we were going, it. We had a lot. No, 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 but I'm just saying, like, my, at least my dedication to the craft, I still push through and I still, uh, I mean, my daughter was in the hospital while I was watching D&D. Yikes, man. I'm not, <laughs> That's I mean, not I true. If... She really wasn't. Okay. But I was a little disappointed that you still had not seen it yeah, until I, I gave you the I hadn't had the time. Well, anyway, can, let me let me just give my overall sort of thoughts okay. on it real quick. Mm-hmm. First, man, it's hard for me to say the words. I was disappointed a little. Dude, are you serious? Well, I mean, here's why, dude. I knew going in that it was going to be pretty silly. I guess my disappointment comes in like, I just don't think like, for example, I don't think anybody that watches it that hasn't really ever played D&D will think it's as good as those of us that have. In other words, like a lot of the humor was still good and kind of general. I don't know. I think maybe I need to watch it with with Woodrow because I yeah, just feel I like totally in like the, 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 the special effects, even like the soundtrack just all seemed like half to me. Well, I, yeah, the soundtrack to me was definitely... The moments when it's supposed spot. to be like emotional almost seemed like I thought it was another joke because of the soundtrack yeah, choices they made. Right. Well, you know? okay, so I mean, this is some synchronicity here, but I actually we actually watched it again. I watched it with my youngest Elliot, uh, mm-hmm. who's four, and it, she's kind of at that age where it's like I won't I won't show, which I mean sounds counterintuitive, but. It's like I'll show certain things to my four-year-old that I won't show to my eight-year-old because she's not going to pick up on like half the stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so we watched it again last night. And, and, and so I, we watched Terminator 2 last <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We watched it last night. And, dude, I could not, I could not disagree more, yeah. especially watching it for the second time. It was like really funny. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all of the... Like, sort of the humor, a lot of it was sort of like playing on that 70s, silly, you know, part of D&D that we all already know about and, and kind of mm-hmm. love. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you, when you watch the old Star Wars movies, it's like, it's like these are the greatest movies ever made. But we know that, like, that's There's made out no of... a way that that's, the dental floss that Luke uses basically to swing across yeah, right, right. that section will hold him or Princess. Well, Lance. no, not even that. But it's like we okay. know that like there's that aspect of Star Wars where it's like it's clearly practical effects and it's mm-hmm. cheesy and it's made of rubber. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, kind of like... And they did that on... What is it? Honor Among Thieves? Thieves. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they did that, and they sort of played into that a lot, like the Jonathan part yeah. at the beginning. Which, by the way, if you've if you haven't I don't, seen, I don't remember. Yet. Oh yes, 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 <laughs> um, dude. So, like, looking back as you're reminding me this, like, I promise there are some really good moments. There's some good stuff that I like about it. There's some mm-hmm. laugh out loud stuff, and maybe it's just because like I. I don't remember if I, yeah, I don't know if I fell asleep or if I just had to get like, what? you know, pause it and then pick it up the next day because of how late it was. I think that's what it was. Man, you did not give this a fair shake. No, I did though, man. It shouldn't have to, like, I shouldn't have, you know, uh, you know, like, look, you're talking to the guy who the popular question is like, hey, man, does that movie still hold up? And I'm like, well, I mean, 
you know, talking about 80s movies that mm-hmm. absolutely don't hold up, but I still love them because they're awesome. This, I just, I don't I know. In way. other words, like, oh. I don't think this is going to help. They're not going to get another movie out of it. See, I disagree. I think, I think they definitely will get another movie out of it. Uh, I mean, I don't know about box office, which I don't, I, I really don't know. It didn't do well. Yeah, but I don't think it was supposed to do well. I think it was supposed to be like for the fans. And I mean, yeah, there's some things that are sort of wonky about it. And But I think if you play D&D, you're absolutely going to love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's some really, really good stuff. And the characters are just spot on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like Michelle Rodriguez's Barbarian, like some of those times when she would just be like, oh man, what was it that was so hilarious? She said something like, I don't know, she's just like brutally honest and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of calloused about a lot of things. And he's just like, hey, calm down. And oh man, it was, it was good. And Chris Pine is like the king of that kind of character. He's the best at that, dude. That's part of the reason why I think the first like new Star, uh, Star Trek movies, I, mm-hmm. I really liked because he's like, yeah, you can take him seriously. It, he's very easy to kind of like relate to and yeah. connect with, you know, as an audience. And um, he kind of has that Jason Bateman thing a little bit too, where mm-hmm. it's like that funny sort of like afterthought humor. Yeah, yeah. But like if you catch it and pick up on it, it's like, God, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if I said this on the show, but Michelle Rodriguez, I've hated for maybe 30 years. Come on, man. In film. I feel like every single time I see her on the screen, she's going to be the most one note, the exact same character that she was in whatever the last movie she was in. But I got to say, this movie, I, I think that that character that she plays and everything, I think was absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And she nailed it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I thought some of the, the effects were kind of like, cheesy but again i really do sort of feel like a lot of that was it didn't seem cool intentional to me man it just see i i think you're wrong in that i i totally because i because you got to think of it like this too so many people like the people that are hardcore DD fans are still after like what what has it been like 20 years since the jason statham one came out and it was like pure seriousness no, nothing funny. And so I think the thing that... Now, are you talking... There, dude, there's a Wayans bro, like kid in it. There's yeah. stupid but, stuff in it. Yeah, but it's it, it was still trying to be like cool and didn't say anything about anything in D&D. I just feel like this one is like... I mean, even like the little... Did you pick up the uh, the cameo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that was incredible. That was cool. Dude. But again, like I just didn't like the way... Like that's not a halfling. What? They're just like smaller versions. I, mean, I don't Wait, know. Wait, what, what are you talking about? Uh, which cameo? I'm talking about... Uh... No, 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 no. I'm not talking about... Th- I don't know that he was... I don't know that he was supposed to be an actual halfling. But no, I'm talking about whenever they're in the maze and you see all the characters from the D&D cartoon... Oh, in the cage or whatever. No, I didn't... And, and I didn't then, then again in the cage, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I didn't pay attention. See, man, I think it was like not only like playing for. I'm, I'm not talking about like that stuff. I'm talking about like whenever they show ne- the the buildings and stuff of Neverwinter. It's like, oh, it's 1992. It's like it just that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. 
the 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 effects were just I don't know, man. We are disagreeing on this. It didn't look real. I mean, I Billings just watched it. Last they night. didn't do that on purpose, and I didn't fall asleep, and I loved you, it. I know. I'm just saying the buildings. There's I mean, plenty I, to love about it. Again, the, there's tons. It's hilarious, dude. The the part where the tiefling girl like does that, and it showed it in the trailer too. But like when she flips over into like where that dimension door is basically open, you know what I'm talking about? And she kind of like flips back. Oh and yeah, that's down. amazing. Like that camera shot is incredible. Yeah. She's probably like one of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah. She uh, is amazing. The actress is awesome too, man. She was in the new It. The it, I think yeah. she's got like a lot of stuff coming up. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, th- there it is interesting because there were some like really, really innovative like sort of camera tricks mm-hmm. or sort of uh, like effects, I guess if you will. That I hadn't seen anywhere else, which is like the there's one sort of sort of scene where you're and again, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, go ahead and stop now, watch it, yeah. and come back. But there's the scene where she's like, uh, so she's like a she can change her wild shape. So basically, mm-hmm. it's this girl who can turn into different animals or whatever, and it shows her like making her way from the inside of the castle out. And so mm-hmm. she starts off as like a fly to a mouse to a a person again to a to a hawk to a like a weasel to a a bird like to a, a deer. Like it's really really smart how they sort of frame that whole kind of mm-hmm. scene. And there were a few of those. Like the whole this is the thing I think that I liked about it the most is it wasn't just playing to people who you know sort of may have played D&D in the past. It It's playing into like the sort of the experience of people actually when you're together like playing mm-hmm. D&D and yeah. like you're making jokes and you're like, there's one thing that I think the thing that 100% sold it for me is like they go through this this sort of scene where they're they're preparing this thing and it's like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to come out come out of this mirror and yada, yada, yada. And it's like this long, like 10-minute process. It's almost yeah. like a heist. Very like, elaborate planning. Very elaborate. Yeah. Almost like Ocean's Eleven style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're preparing. And then right at the last minute when it's supposed to work, the actual thing just falls Doesn't. face down. Yeah. And it's like, that's what it's like in the game. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Because you go through all this stuff and you're like, you're, you know, you're talking to your other characters in your party and you're like, yeah, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. And it's like, you, you're like, man, it's going to be amazing. And then you roll a, a one, and yeah. and all of it is just washed away. Or the DM is really good at paying attention to details <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the picture right. frame that they planned just, you know, yeah. real-world example in one of our games mm-hmm. when I, you guys are basically trying to, <sighs> I think it was basically the big boss battle of yeah. last, the last... Um, He's basically like a Frankenstein like, character. Yeah, this Frankenstein character, uh, a flesh golem, mm-hmm. isn't even the, actually the big bad guy. He's like something that the the bad guy created and is right. now kind of coming after you guys. Well, you guys come up with this like elaborate plan. Oh, I mean, so just like what you're talking about, where you're like, you know, you're talking amongst yourselves, and then you, which I love as a dungeon master. I'm like, oh, that stuff is amazing, but the, this isn't the best part. So you guys come up with a way to. <laughs> almost like force push this freaking uh, flesh golem that's almost darn near impossible to kill yeah, yeah. into this uh, Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. The door's shut and you guys are like, yeah. And then it was like 
my it was the DM turn for an action, and the Iron Golem just like <sighs> opens these doors and comes. I thought back it was out. immediately going to kill him when it, when uh, we you pushed know, with him like stabs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't work though. Didn't work, pal. But yeah, I, I think especially if you played, I think there's a lot to love, and yeah, I just thought it was, it was it's just funny. Yeah, and, I mean it's awesome. I I think like. I don't know. I just here's here's why it makes me nervous because like that is after I think the last D and D movie came out like the year it was like in two thousand. I don't think Jason Statham is in it. I I could be wrong. But no, the main not. guy is Justin Whalen, and there's Jeremy Irons and uh, wait, what? There's Marlon Wayans. Hold um, on a second. Yeah, I don't think he is. Pal. Um, Here we go again. Fred Savage, huh? Yeah. In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. In the name of the king. Wait, is this? That's not Dungeons and Dragons, pal. Why was I Yeah, he's never been to a cinema. <laughs> to a cinema. <laughs> uh, this is the one that I'm talking about. Look, it, you know, start with, when you start, your, here, guys, I'm going to give Tyler a lesson, oh, but no, I'm no, going to give you a lesson in, no. in how to search for things. Just no, no, case. no, listen. No, listen. It is inspired by the Dungeon Siege video game series. Okay. For some reason, all these years, I thought it was... Was D and D, huh? Now, listener, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but Tyler can. I'm holding up a thumbs up, but mm-hmm. instead of my thumb pointing straight up, it's just kind of the th- like the last final digit is just mm-hmm. curved back down, kind of like a half thumbs up. Well, I, I mean, that reminds me of my my like stuck in traffic move. What's your stuck in traffic, man? We are real random today. We sure are. Instead of like the typical, you know, the classic you know, mm-hmm. middle finger, okay, or whatever, yeah, or even like the roll on the dice move. I stick my thumb out the window, thumbs up, and I literally hold it there for like, I don't know, a good 10, 15 seconds. Too long, basically. Way right? too yeah, long. Yeah. yeah. So the so it gets to the point of like the guy's like, oh, he's mad because he sees my thumb up. But then I leave it out for so long that that it goes from mad to like You gotta make him co- like what question. Is this guy like, wait, doing? Whoa, do I know that guy? Oh, yeah, do I know yeah, him? Is, oh, he's give oh, maybe he, there's like so yeah. many emotions that come with it. And then, boom, thumbs down right at the end. And then pull my hand back in. <laughs> <laughs> the thumbs down. Boom. Uh, now, there's no questioning there. But two of my favorite moves like that, mm-hmm. like when someone's doing something, you know, idiotic or whatever, come from Rollins. And the other one is my mom. So I'll, I'll give you Rollins' first. I always thought it was hilarious. He would do like the finger gun, but then like the thumbs <laughs> just moving up and down. Bam, 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 bam. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so like, yeah. again, you're like, uh, is he threatening me? Is he not threatening me? My mom's is my ultimate favorite, though. And I don't think she did this on purpose. I think she just did it because that's the character my mom is. Mm-hmm. Someone honks. Let's say, she, you know, someone's like honking at her or something because they're not happy with maybe a move that she did in the lane. Yeah. She just waves. Every time, <laughs> dude. Every time. She's like, hey, and is like smiling. Dude, it is the funniest but thing you've ever. Because wonder- then the person, there's a, no, dude, I've seen it in action. The person in the other vehicle is like, huh? And then they start waving. It's like an involuntary thing. They're like, oh, oh, hey. But then, I, but you got to wonder because of just how your your wonderful mom is. Like, yeah. Does she know that they were? She pissed? thinks they're honking at her, bro. She's yeah, that's just thinking they're happy to see. That's her. what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that is amazing. After these messages, we'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Pretty good place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. Speaking of D&D, my friend, tonight is the night. Dude, I'm pretty excited, and I'll tell you why. This is the first time in a long time mm-hmm. that I've actually been able to be a player and not the dungeon master. Yep. And we've talked a lot about Dungeons & Dragons today. I know. And ultimately, it's going to lead to what I kind of wanted to show up and talk about anyway. So if you're not into D&D, don't worry. We're going to talk about some stuff. Okay. What we're doing this summer, though, our D&D group is, I call it, the adventure mixtape. Meaning, anybody in our group that wants to DM can certainly do so just to give each other practice in those various roles and then also kind of give me a little bit of a break from dungeon mastering as well Mm -hmm. because I haven't played in like a long time, you know? And so I'm super, super excited about that. Mm -hmm. The irony is... I created maybe one of the most beginner-friendly characters that you can create because I can't tell you, man, how much of a weight off my shoulders it is to, like, I'm not having to prepare for the session at all. Mm -hmm. All I got to do is show up and roll some dice. Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm excited. Now, because you and I are pretty OCD with certain things, and, I mean, part of the reason that we, well, the reason we... I originally said rabbit trail is because it was incorrect, mm-hmm. but we've sort of developed it into a thing. And we, we, the reason we use that term is, is because like any of the things that we get into, it's like, we go hard down the rabbit trail, yeah. like mm-hmm. too deep. And so yeah. it, it did kind of get to the point where I was like feeling bad for you on, you know, D and D days. Because I was I, just like, 
I mean, you frazzled. Were, yeah, you were super frazzled. And not only doing that, but then you're also creating like all the like the miniatures mm-hmm. and all the stuff. Yeah. And it was incredible. But like, I, I know the amount of work that goes into yeah. that. So the best is like he says that, folks. And I would even kind of give him a heads up, like, look, dude, just show up at like be here at six. I'm not going to be able to take calls until then because as soon as I get done working, I've got a couple other things that I still need to do to prepare and be ready. Okay, cool. This guy calls me on his drive to my house. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, man. And he wants to talk about like, you know, hey, man, I had this thought. What, like, you know, like if my guy's uh, antler was like glowing, and I'm like, hey, dude, I love it. <laughs> but like, I'm really trying to finish up here. Okay. Now, I will say one time you came in super strong with the idea. So thankfully you did. I just wish mm-hmm. it would have been earlier in the day or or maybe even the day before with mm-hmm. the idea of kind of our newest tradition in our group, which is if it's your birthday, mm-hmm. your player character gets cool stuff within the game too, which, which is which is really cool. Dude, mine's coming up June 21st, everybody. It's the longest day of the year. Yeah, it's and I mean, we're first, kind of hold on, turning it's the, fifty. It's a big it's one. The, no, that's you. It's the first day of summer, and most importantly, it's your favorite host's birthday, <laughs> Tyler Bentz, June twenty first. Don't forget our PO box. <laughs> and most is, importantly, it's your favorite host. <laughs> well, we got rid of the PO box. Ooh, got to get a new one. Ooh. Don't if you have the address, don't mail it out. Shoot me a DM. I'll give you Tyler's personal street address. Anyhow, okay. so that we can actually have something to talk about in this episode. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because it is relatively synchronistic, really. I found this old article in in like a magazine from the 90s. Mm. You know, it's one of those like magazines that would be on the newsstand that just, Mm. anyway. So I found this article and it immediately intrigued me. And I thought, man, I've never really thought about a lot of these things. So the name of the article is The Names of Magic. Mm. It says, Magician, Witch, Mage, necromancer, what do all these strange names mean? So it's difficult to separate the many terms used to describe the practitioners of different kinds of magic. Words like wizard, warlock, witch, and sorcerer tend to run into each other and become confused. Now, I think this is kind of true too, Tyler, even within... Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. you think of, you know, because of things like Harry Potter and all that is just like witch and wizard. All these terms kind of seem interchangeable. Yeah, like a catch-all kind of. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I've always kind of been curious, like in some of the things that we talk about on the show, like do these words have origin that go beyond just fictional texts and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they do. And, and then what are some of the details that kind of separate and, and differentiate, really, these different terms. So first, let's start with magician, mm-hmm. okay? A magician is one who practices the art of magic. Now, before you say, <laughs> duh, mm-hmm. both words relate back through the Latin and Greek to the old Persian uh, meju or magus, which was originally a member of Azoro. Astrian priestly caste yeah. that was noted for its wisdom. That was from, uh, and like the Zoroastrianism was from the Sumerians? I think so. It says Zoroaster was regarded by the Romans as the very source of the magical art. Yeah. The Roman historian Pl- uh, Pliny the Elder, yep. writing in the first century, okay? First. And, and 
and Pliny the Elder was the first person, that's the first time that we've ever heard a story of like what we would consider a ghost story. Mm. Yep. He's an interesting so Pliny guy. Pliny the Elder, again, in the first century said, without doubt, magic arose in Persia with Zoroaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although Pliny is skeptical of many of the cures and charms of the Magi, the plural of magus, he makes numerous references to what must have been an extensive literature attributed to them. Hmm. The cast of the Magi was instituted by Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire. And that was in the 6th century BC. Mm -hmm. It was devoted to truth and spiritual development and divided into three grades, disciples, professed, and masters. Hmm. The Magi seem to have been similar to the Druids and the Pythagorean Brotherhood in that they believed in the transmigration of souls. They worshipped the heavens and yeah. practiced divination. They puzzled the Greek historian Herodotus, who wrote, The Magi are a very peculiar race, different entirely from the Egyptian priests and indeed from all other men whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Ancient historians suggest that the caste of the Magi descended from one particular tribe of the Medeans. This hereditary association with magic would not be unique in history. In pre-Roman times, there was this Germanic tribe. Uh, They were called the Heruli. And they were noted for their rune magic. Oh, yeah. That's like druids and stuff, right? um, We'll get to... Hey, man. We'll get (laughs) get to druids, okay? I just love this. That's a perfect example because it like kind of... A lot of these terms that were created so long ago, Mm -hmm. I kind of get the lines between them sort of get blurred and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about all this good stuff. Yeah. So just hold your horses. Okay. okay. So the name of the tribe became a byword for magician and survived in this form long after the tribe itself had died out. The Magi figure prominently. Now this, this is another thing that I, you'll probably remember this, but you know, I'm not very good at the, uh, at being a biblical historian here, but the Magi figure prominently in the story of the birth of Christ they cite Matthew 2, 1 through 12, where they are noteworthy for their foresight and dignity. Mm-hmm. They bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, having seen the birth of Jesus in the stars. Yep. Therefore, astrology was part of their art. It may be conjectured that the Magi came from Babylonia, yep. if their story has many historical, has any historical basis, because this region was proverbial for its astrologers. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something with as a, you know, Christian and, and looking into that history. I think a lot of times folks m- sort of just gloss over, you know, the three wise men. They were mm-hmm. they were called the Magi and the Magi. If you go even further back, like what he's saying to so like Zoroastrianism, the Magi were like the I mean, they're literal like wizards. And so mm-hmm. it's pretty cool to look at, you know, what we view as just these these three random wise men. Like, why are they there? Why, like, where did they come mm-hmm. from? Like, it's cool to view them in a sense of like, oh, well, they were sort of, you know, basically like like wizards in a way, you yeah. know, following the stars uh, for this, you know, the great coming of Christ. And I've always thought that was really cool looked at, mm-hmm. you know, through that well, lens. Especially... In the sense that, like, for, I mean, God, I mean, just as an example, like, when Harry Potter hit the scene, mm-hmm. you know, all these calls to, like, um, don't let your kids read this, 
it's demonic because mm-hmm. they're talking about magic, right? Yeah, and it's right. like, well, whoops, you know, we've got these guys that look to the stars right. to for signs and all this kind of stuff. And so, well, it's just interesting. Now, I can prove like a counterpoint. So, in, in my family, we love Harry Potter. Like, mm-hmm. my daughter was was Hermione for Halloween. Like, we're all into it. But there is that side of me that is sort of like, just because I do know a decent amount about this stuff. And -hmm. it's like, I know that when there's talking about like the seven schools and like the the sacred sciences and like, you know, divination and conjuration and abjuration, like they're saying actual things that are based in like, you know, hermetic principles and theosophy. And like, so it's, it's literal, like, magic in the sense of, you know, things that like Aleister Crowley would have been into, which I'm not saying is everything is like bad, but there are some pretty deep cuts, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, listen to this. It says most of the details surrounding the wise men are actually medieval inventions. Nowhere in the Bible is it stated that they were three in number or Mm. that they were kings or that their names were Caspar, Meliquar, and Balthazar, or that they ruled particular cities. Speculations about their numbers arose from the fact that three gifts were given. I've never heard them having names. I've never heard... I never heard about the names, but, I, you know, we three kings of Orient. I mean, it, the three king part. But I never viewed that Three as, wise men. I thought that was just sort of somewhat figuratively... Like I didn't. Yeah, it's just interesting because even in this instance, it says there weren't. Nowhere does it say there was three. You know. Wow, interesting. Huh. And it says that speculations about their number arose from the fact that there were three gifts given. Hmm. I mean, three is a big. You know, the symbology behind the number Mm -hmm. three is is big. So, you know. And then it says there were the that they were royal was inferred from passages in Psalms and Isaiah. The title Magus became attached to Simon, a certain man of Samaria who tried to buy the Holy Ghost and was rebuked by Peter. And that's in Acts mm. 8, 9 through 24. Yep. The church fathers, while reviling the sorceries of Simon, elaborated upon and perpetuated his legend. Simon Magus literally means Simon the Magus or magician. Yep, exactly. All right. Next up. Uh, the word mage. It's used today to describe a wise man gifted with foresight. Magus is sometimes employed to signify a powerful man in the business world. Nonetheless, magus remains primarily an occult term to describe one who has reached the highest spiritual and magical attainment. Hmm. Magician is all too often used strictly for the illusionist, the sleight of hand or artist, and should be prefixed either stage magician or occult magician to mm-hmm. render its meaning clear. Well, and that's that's why you see, I don't know, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but that's why you see, and I think it was Aleister Crowley that did this, when you start seeing them put magic with a K mm. to sort of, you know, create delineation between like, you know, I'm pulling a rabbit out of my hat yeah. and like yeah. the actual magicians. Yeah, so this thing says... 
lost my spot here because he interrupted me. <laughs> uh, it says, for this reason, ritual magicians use other terms to describe themselves, terms which are not in common circulation and are thus undebased by misuse. So, like you said, magic with a K. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this um, thaumaturge is a wonder worker. Thaumaturgy is from the Greek and means the art of making miracles happen. A theurgist is one who practices theurgy, also mm-hmm. Greek, meaning divine work. The theurgist works miracles through the intervention of angels or divine spirits. Mm-hmm. In ancient times, theurgy was applied to Egyptian mystery magic. The teachings of Hermes Trismegistus, Trismegistus. Or, Her- Magistus, yeah, yeah. or Hermes the Thrice Great. Hermes was also the semi-divine giver of wisdom to ancient Egypt and was identified with the ibis-headed Egyptian god Thoth and with the Roman Mercury. Yeah, that's that stuff's really cool because... So the stuff you're talking about now would be the a lot of the stuff that, that would uh, sort of like prime the way or pave the way for like the theosophist and, you know, again, like Crowley and Blavatsky and like those folks. Perfect timing. So this word thelemite, a more specific term you might yep. happen across is the, uh, thelemite, which describes a follower. Thelema. What is it? Uh, well, th- th- like the church of Thelema. Okay, yeah, yeah. The, uh, thelemite, which describes a follower of the late Aleister Crowley, whose teachings are Thelema, i.e. the law. Yeah, so he, he had a book called The Book of the Law, and he, I think the sort of church of Thelema and like the the Thelemites, I think that, well, Here, can you just yeah, keep yeah. So basically, just like you just said, when you did, when you did jump the gun, they spell Sorry. magic with a K after Crowley's mm-hmm. own practice to distinguish their art from stage magic. Right. The spelling of magic with a K is also very common in occult works, which have nothing at all to do with Crowley. It has older historical roots, and it occurs in books printed before 1700, alternately with another old form, magique, which is like M-A-G-I-Q-U-E. Many modern writers have followed uh, Crowley? Crowley? Yeah. Uh, I heard an interview where it was Crowley. Okay. Crowley's lead in reviving magic with a K to separate occult from stage magic. Thelemites that uh, have often been accused of being goetic magicians and of performing goet... It's still a weird word to say, goetic. The word mm-hmm. is simply Greek for wizardry and derives from the root meaning to well or cry. And a common mistake is the belief that the word is related to goat because the goat is a symbol for Satanists. Similarly, well, the pentagram, a five-pointed star with one point up, is considered positive well... With one point down, it, it is said to be a symbol of evil. So, theurgy is also used as a general term for magic, and goity is used as a term for spirit evocation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, this is that, that section kind of dives into stuff that, like, yeah, if my kid is just like painting their room with, you know, I might be like, well, guys, maybe we need to. Okay. Speaking of these different types of magic, we've got white and black magic. It might seem that theurgy is another way of saying white magic and geoty or goity a way of saying black magic. A few decades ago, the terms white and black magic were much in vogue, but words like clothes have their ins and outs of fashion. 
Occultists today generally dislike the labels white and black magic, contending that whether a magical act is evil or good depends on the intent of the magician. An evil spirit may be evoked for a noble purpose or an angel debased for an evil desire. Therefore, the whiteness or blackness of magic is in the heart of the magician. Magic, it says, is only an instrument. Dude, what was, was, was is this from the D&D movie? Like, what was I just, or is this something? No. What is Dude, I just read a, uh, there's this thing that happened in One Piece, <laughs> not to bring it back Here to manga, but this just, something like this just happened where this guy was basically saying like, the weapon that he created caused like a bunch of harm and he, mm-hmm. he was kind of like beating himself up over it and his, you know, kind of mentor or whatever was saying, look, you know, it's not the weapon that you've created, it's the right. heart of the person. So like it's important for us to uh, basically beat up all the bad guys, mm-hmm. you know. I do whatever. think that, um, I think there's an element and I could probably get some blowback from this, but I think originally the whole black and white magic thing was was sort of like, hey, well, we're, we're only doing good stuff. Like, mm-hmm. we're only doing positive things. And, you know, like, if you look back, especially in, like, Appalachia, like, you, you see, like, what were called, like, hedge witches uh, or uh, journeyman witch or powwow doctors, if you go up to, like, the Pennsylvania Dutch area. They truly were, I mean, even the folks who originally started doing, like, the farm, like, farmer's almanac, mm-hmm. they're doing these things that aren't, that a lot of people would view as like quote unquote white magic, whereas like your black magic would be like your your Aleister Crowley, who are doing like sex magic mm. and like ritual sacrifice and like it gets real dark, mm. you know. Voodoo, hoodoo. Well, no, I mean that's all kind of into it too. It, it really is sort of I don't know. It, it does get a little confusing because there's there's a lot of these folks who you know, say they're they're doing this sort of ritual or this whole process, but but then at the same time they're like avid churchgoers. Yeah. I mean it's kinda like my family where yeah. we will return after these messages. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. My whole family, we went to Blue Creek Baptist Church, this little Baptist church uh, where I grew up. We were there every every week. And I've said this on the show, I think, like, but my Uncle Stuart did this thing called it was just ever since I was a kid, it was just, just called conjuring where he would repeat this. Like, I, I think it was a biblical passage. I'm not super sure, but I mean, he was like our Sunday school teacher at the same time. And like this thing was passed down from my great aunt. Uh, and it had to be passed from like one member to the no, other. No, and it's no, a lot like here, man, we're going to get into conjurers. Can we, can we, oh, okay, good. So hold that story. Well, well 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I'm just saying, like, oh, no, 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 no. like a lot you of this. Elaborate on that. We're gonna get there. Just a second. Well, well, hold on, hold on. I will, but I'm the only reason I bring that up is to say that like, there's a lot. It's sometimes it's a little harder to just say, oh, well, it's white magic or black magic because mm. a lot of t- even even with like your voodoo and like hoodoo practitioners, a lot of that stuff is based like really heavily on like biblical mm-hmm. passages. So it gets a little, it, gets a little it can muddy. get a little murky. Yeah. All right, so here's yeah. probably one of the most popular terms, which is wizard. Wizard is from mm-hmm. the Old Norse. It means clever or knowing. Originally, it meant simply a sage, but since wisdom and magic were inextricably linked in ancient times, it came to signify a man of occult power. Today, mm-hmm. wizard is used as slang for a clever or skillful per- person, or in the shortened form, wiz. Its connotation mm. is of a solitary theurgist, usually an elderly man. Everybody already has it pictured. Either you're thinking of Gandalf, Gandalf or the most yeah. famous, I would say, or even, I would say, predates Gandalf, which is Merlin, mm. uh, who appears in popular mythology and is... Or Moses. Okay. You're taking it. Which, it, he has a staff. He's holding yeah, up a yeah. staff, much like mm. Gandalf, to part the seas, you know. At one time, wizard was used to just signify a male witch, but this was a blatant error. It is not much employed in occult circles and modern magical seldom, if ever, refer to themselves as wizards except for in a joking way. Now, hmm. everybody knows that we're D&D nerds. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to like make fun of people, but like I hope nobody is referring to themselves as a wizard. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorcerer that's another term that's relatively popular and it's related to sortilage which is the foretelling of the future by casting lots sorcerer means one mm. who casts or searches it has acquired a very negative connotation over the centuries sorcery is almost always used to designate magic of the worst kind poisoners are called sorcerers interestingly it is one of the few terms that is more often written in feminine form like sorceress than a masculine version Mm -hmm. enchantress an an enchantress is much like a sorceress but already sounds hotter i'm just kidding (laughs) being in legend a woman who uses magic to be uh, to beguile and ensnare men see told you enchant Mm. is old french for bewitch and derives from the root to sing to enchant is to spellbind or to enrapture and compel the will and in its negative sense to ensnare and delude. Songs, or more accurately, rhythmic chants have great power. The sirens who lured sailors onto the rocks were enchantresses, as was the sorceress Circe who imprisoned Ulysses on her island yep. and turned his men into pigs. Now we're, now, hey, now we can hear this story. Let's talk about the word conjurer. Conjurer is one who binds or constrains with an oath, often using the power allegedly found in divine names. Conjure comes from the old French for to swear together, that is, bind by oath. A geodic magician calls up spirits and has the spirits swear service to the magician by placing their signatures in a magic book under threat of being blasted by the names of God should they hesitate. In this case, the magicians may appropriately be called a conjurer. 
As it is true of so many other magical terms, conjurer became debased to mean stage magician in some English-speaking countries. In England, its use is almost exclusively for this purpose. Hmm. Yeah, so, well, I've always found that interesting because, so I've always sort of gravitated towards, like, magic. And, I mean, even when we play D&D, like, it is almost impossible for me not to at least have one foot dipped in some sort of magic. I've I've always just been, I've just thought that was so much cooler than like, you're more like brute, like melee, you know, barbarian types. And so like as a kid, you know, the word sort of conjurer or like conjuring, that was always sort of like, you're, you're bringing something forth into our plane of existence. I'm conjuring this monster to come in and like, you know, fight for me or or whatever. It, and so it, it was weird because I also grew up, you know, in Appalachia in a very rural family who would talk about conjuring. And it wasn't just my family. It was like other people in our sort of like town, really. I would almost say that like it's you, mostly nobody probably talks about it anymore. But like my uncle... And they were never called like conjurers either. It was it was used as like, oh yeah, yeah, Stuart can conjure. Or yeah, so and so can mm-hmm. conjure. It was never like sort of a like a role mm-hmm. that they had, you know? And so maybe that's where the breakaway part was. Maybe maybe that was on purpose so that it it didn't appear like there's some like, you know, occult yeah. whatever. Uh like I said, like these were, you know blue collar folks who were deacons at the mm-hmm. church and you know Sunday school teachers and stuff but like my uncle Stuart he could conjure poison and I I don't even know if I should be saying yeah, this no, <laughs> like, publicly yeah. I mean I'll we'll, we'll go for it uh but no it's this thing that's no, like no. no 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 I'll go I'll get into it it's this thing that's like passed down from so my great dude, aunt dude, I don't you love my wants all this like globally you know like let's just keep it at like i think it's i think it's fine my uncle he was taught how to do this thing uh from my great aunt uh she's no longer with us rest in peace but it it sort of has to go down like a certain family line you know so like i could i i was never able to do it but i think my first or second born daughter can like it's real it gets really kind of confusing but basically he could conjure poison and so I remember several times as a kid one time in particular that it was extremely bad and he was like I'm not gonna do it let's let's go over to you know my great aunt's house so we went there and I mean, it was like all up my leg, like the work in its way. Yeah, but what? Like what? Real terrible area, like po- like poison oak. Okay, okay. Like I just like, didn't know if I had it. Like you get bit by a snake, you're just like it was all. Up no, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. It was poison okay. oak. Because uh, we were in the woods, like 24. Just seven. trying to find and those so, like hidden nudie mags, like that you would. <laughs> yeah, it's like man, there's, there's a water log the hell, but you're still flipping. Yeah, there's there. a there's a. There's a tree with a hole in it. There's got to be a poison. His hand and now <laughs> we need a it's conjure. Like we need to pay. Hey, we need a conjure. Hey, but this time I got it. I don't know how I got all the way up my leg, but 
No, no, no. Listen. So this is well. I mean, it just. I understand how constant kids just constantly scratching and stuff. But I remember I went to her and I was sitting on her front porch, and there was something to do with like, like a penny or something. Like I had to pay. I had to give her a penny, or no, no, no. She had to give me a penny so that she could take this away. It was like I was giving her mm-hmm. the poison. So I, I, or I was like selling her the poison. It's really, it's weird. And I, I it's kind of blurry, like the specifics of it. Cause it was always kind of secret and it was, so she does this thing where she, she just like sort of like, she would like rub, rub like where there, you know, rub her hand over where there was poison. And she would kind of do this, like, she would sort of like whisper and then, kind of the sort of like sing song kind of thing. And I kid you not, like, you know, if you're hard skeptics, maybe, maybe let's chalk it up to placebo. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's say whatever. But I kid you not. Oh, and then part of the thing too is this was like a really important part was the fact that like the, like I had to believe that it was going to be healed. Yeah. Like that was yeah. a big sort of, component of this and I kid you not dude I woke up the next day and it was like completely you know when you have like poison and and like it I'm immune no to longer it. has like Don't oh you are immune to it yeah oh man yeah I, I was highly allergic so for all you folks that have had poison you know what I'm talking about but there's there's a point where like the poison is sort of still active you know and it's almost like if you scratch it like the the juice will spread if you will I know it sounds gross but but then there's the point where it kind of goes away and it's been neutralized, but but you can still see like splotchy, mm-hmm. kind of like where it was, you know. And I kid you not, the next day I would wake up and it was just completely like gone. Yeah, there's a couple of things that I just discovered in that story. One is that you just call poison oak or, or poison ivy, just you just refer to it as poison. And that's part of the reason mm-hmm. why I was confused. And I think that might be, you know, deep within your childhood. So I had no idea what you're talking about. That's a, I think it's a Southern. Yeah. Like, hey, man, I got poison. You'll get um, poison. Don't go in them woods. Yeah. And then second is, it almost sounds like, like so there's like some healing involved, which is kind of uh, oh, ca- that's what it counter is. to what their official definition of conjure is. And so I'm thinking like maybe throughout time, just kind of like what we're talking about with all of these terms, they're kind of intertwined and, and loosely sort of... Um, you know, used because he's like, according to like the definition of conjure, where it's talking about like calling up spirits. And so conjuring isn't like removing something. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, no. This that, sounds and more that's what like, and I'll get to it in just a second, but this sounds more like druidic medicine. Well, and so, so what I know about this is because I, I kind of did some research into this a while back because I was listening to our buddy Timothy Renner's show. Uh, strange familiars and he was talking about these characters called powwow doctors and i was like what is that like i'd never really heard of it and he started explaining or i think he even had like a, a recording that his wife did for like a project or something way back in in college where she's interviewing this this uh powwow doctor and he starts talking about this conjuring thing and i'd never heard of this anywhere else other than like me growing up. But the interesting thing is like, I think it was brought over. So the Pennsylvania Dutch are the folks who would be like your, your 
quote unquote, like powwow doctors. And so I think like some of that Dutch and, you know, the member of my family that that has always done it, he has said that it's, it's linked to, uh, there's, there's bits of like Native American sort Mm -hmm. of, sort of Indian, you know, in Appalachia and, and then there's also bits that, you know, from our ancestry coming from like Scotland and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it's just like sort of a mishmash. The interesting thing about conjuring, though, is y- there would be certain, there were certain people in our, you know, little community, like our road, basically, that could do it, but it would be different stuff. Like there was a guy that could only conjure, like if you had like, like planter warts. Mm-hmm. And then there was another dude that could conjure fire. That was like if you had... Um, See, that's like what I'm saying. Know. Like, even that word, it, like, when I think conjure, to me, yeah, it it's means like bringing creates forth something, something. Like, right? So, like, I'm conjuring fire. Like, all of a sudden, this guy's got fire in his hand. Like, not healing it. You know what I mean? Well, and and so I think, th- yeah, that's, that's the confusing part. I'm not real sure where, like, where that term came from and why it was placed on this. Mm-hmm. Because it is... But but then you think of like I mean to me conjuring is sort of like a transferring of something so you're you're bringing something from somewhere else to here and mm-hmm. so maybe um, like conjuring like a healing spirit or something but hold on here's here's something maybe. that I've also discovered in all of this I want to do an episode and I think we should and mm-hmm. just call it like southern magic and traditions because here's the thing well they call it mountain magic or mountain or, magic or, or granny magic but not but not just on that, like I also want to talk about like the, I think it's super fascinating, you know, down in the deep south, there's all kinds of, we'll say sects of Christianity that include, you know, like the snakes and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. there's all sorts of ways that we can get there. But I want to save that for then. Yeah, that's So cool. let, let's dive into more of these terms because I think it's interesting to see how like even within this conversation, mm-hmm. uh, a word can get kind of get intermingled and and just add to the confusion. Yeah, for sure. There's only like four or five more terms here, but necromancer is another word that's used sort of interchangeably sometimes with magician, mm-hmm. when in fact it has much more narrow meaning. Necromancy like dead. is from the Greek and means corpse divination. Yep. This is the ancient practice of calling back the dead from beyond the grave on the theory that they have valuable knowledge not known to the living. We saw this perfectly and hilariously... Yeah depicted in the newest Dungeons and Dragons movie. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, also you're divining or like the folks that, who can find water, mm-hmm. they'll have like the two little sticks. They call them water witches sometimes or like the two little metal rods or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's a form of, of divining or uncovering like secrets or or having like direction Mm-hmm. in something you know what i mean yeah which is always cool it's it's super interesting man especially since like i remember i was reading something about like real early sort of i think like maybe 1800s or so america mm-hmm. when there's like a big uh religious revolution a mm-hmm. bunch of different like branches of all kinds of different things are happening and the what's interesting is the use and acceptance of things like that you know seeing right. stones and like using sticks to find gold and treasure even and again, I want to save that for, I think we should do an, a full episode about those lines being blurred and all that stuff. Yeah. With necromancy though, it's also, so it's not just like trying to extract information. It is traditionally thought to mean the actual animation of the corpse by magical means, but it is also used 
to signify conversing with the soul of a dead person, even if the soul is not in the corpse during the ceremony. Right. So I would say like in this instance, that kind of reminds me of like if somebody is having like one of those seances, you know, you're communicating with, and I'll give a big disclaimer at the end. That's sort of like a medium though. Yeah, yeah, which isn't one of the terms used here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because they're talking about speaking with that person's soul in the ceremony, even that body isn't there. And it says, because mm-hmm. the practices of traditional necromancy are crude and often involve activity in graveyards and the use of noxious substances, most magicians kind of reject the art and would become quite annoyed if they were referred to as necromancers. In fact, traditional yes. necromancy involves criminal acts and has yep. a very negative association in the minds of cultists so like the our episode on the hand of glory mm-hmm. that would be an object that like necromancers would use yeah that kind of thing it's like digging up like it's just any sort of quote-unquote magic devoted or, or sort of based around the dead and like mm-hmm. and not just like oh well they've passed on so we're talking to their spirit no the actual like physical dead like yeah. corpses and stuff what's interesting is out of all of these terms Really, there's only like two that are associated truly with quote unquote evil magicians. And Mm. the first is demonists, okay? Mm. The worship essentially of demons. The word demon was originally a Greek word meaning a spirit dwelling between the gods and humans. But today it's commonly used to mean a holy evil spirit. Like holy meaning not with an H, but like an entirely evil spirit. Yeah. The second class of evil magic or evil magicians are Satanists. Those who worship Mm -hmm. Satan as the personification of the evil principle. Both groups traditionally forsake their free will in exchange for power. This exchange is symbolized by the black pact with which they were purported to sell their souls. This is also kind of infused into pop culture as well when you talk about like, you know, the crossroads and uh, what's um, what's his name, the uh, musician? Oh, Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson or Jimmy Page. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all these things, you know, about like this pact of selling their soul to become, Mm -hmm. you know, incredibly um, talented and stuff like that. The Black Pact was usually an implicit understanding rather than a written document. Some Satanists follow their basest instincts to the very pit of depravity. This Mm. enthrallment to evil was chillingly described in the novel La Basse by the 19th century French writer Heismans. Mm. Some say that it was the visual account of a black mass Heismans actually witnessed. Here's a little more on Satanists, although, oof. Okay. There are three breeds, it says. The first is represented by the infamous Anton LaVey and seem to use their Satanism to shock others and live a rather libertarian lifestyle. Hmm, so I have a that word. theory on that, but go ahead. Okay. The second, so in other words, like first type, Anton LaVey, mm-hmm. just sort of like, you know, uh, the Howard Stern version of Satanism. Yeah, and you can also find him on the Eagles Hotel California. If you open the record, you can see him because the the actual old, a lot of people don't know this, but the actual original Hotel California eventually would become the original church of Satanism. I wonder, and so in uh, that a- album cover, you can see him up in the balcony if you open it up. Now, I don't know if they were referring to a different place, but I've been to 
a hotel California in Mexico that they said was the original one. So I don't know if that was like a little misdirect there, but um, mm, I don't know about that. The second type consists of youths trying to offend their elders and have who have copied some ideas out of a few books. We're all we all remember that kid in school. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like truly, I'm not trying to make fun. Hey, everybody's trying to find their identity. Yeah. Back in the '90s, this was one of the ways to rebel. Now it's a little. Well, I mean, I was kind of into. I mean, not the Satanism aspect, but like the craft was such a big deal. Yeah, back but that, in the day. We're, we're getting there, and that's witchcraft. And and I think that's an important fact that those two are linked. And I'll, and I'll oh, get there I see in just a second. You're saying like I'm out. I'm kid, talking about actual Satanists and the, the actual so the, Satanists. The kids yeah, yeah. basically walking around being like. Hey, man. I worship uh, the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of these are actually the classic Satanists. The third type is based around a powerful personality. They use Satanism mm-hmm. as an excuse for their antisocial acts. These mm. Satanists may desecrate Christian symbols because Christ is the arch foe of the devil. There are occultists who communicate with demons and in the sense might be called demonists, but who do not consider themselves bound or subjected by them. What's interesting is I do remember there was, I don't know if it was like a, an interview, like 60 Minutes, something like that or whatever, certainly in the mm-hmm. 80s, but m- more recently where this guy was being interviewed about the quote-unquote Church of Satan, right? And mm-hmm. talking about like things like this article talks about being somewhat like myth and them just saying like there's this thought that a quote-unquote Satanist is someone that just, again, wants there to just be like social unrest and all this other kind of stuff. And he was Mm -hmm. basically saying that that's not even in the belief system of, you know, whatever their church is. Now me, I'm going to say this right now. I mean, I've talked about this on the show too. Growing up and even now, I'm not going to mess with the Ouija board. Right. I don't don't care about, you know, the tenets of Satanism. Not interested. Mm -hmm. I would never purposefully call upon a demon or something like that, right? Like, I would never, that's not how I rebelled. Conjuring a demon. Yeah, well, I can't use that word now because that means healing it. I mean, (laughs) so. No, you can still use it. Yeah, I mean, I know because I think the way I use it is correct. Just like referring to poison ivy isn't the same as he's got the poison. Okay. No, we would say poison. I because understand because instead of know, saying very poison few ivy, words in the poison vocabulary sumac. up in North Georgia. So instead, we'll just use one word to mean it all. Okay. Mm-hmm. So next, this is what I kind of alluded to earlier in the fact that like, well, it's part of the reason why Dungeons and Dragons uh, was considered evil during that mm-hmm. uh, sort of satanic panic back in the yeah. 80s is because if you said things like wizard or witches yeah. or... Um, druids or, you know, magic in general, Mm -hmm. Satan, you know, burn it all, burn the Beatles. They're also, it's like, okay. So completely separate from such evil magic is the term witchcraft. However, due to the influence of historic testimony, the witch has still and is still commonly regarded as equivalent to the sorceress or Satanist. Witch is from the Anglo-Saxon Wicca, a male magician. The female form is wiki or, yeah, wiki. The Anglo-Saxon verb wiccan means to practice sorcery. The word also seems related to the idea of bending or twisting as in to bend reality. Right. Here's something cool too. It also, according to one source, is a potential corrupt form of the Anglo-Saxon witga, which meant a prophet, 
soothsayer or wizard. And, and all these things, too, uh, they all exist within different cultures. I mean, mm-hmm. with like Indians or Native Americans, it's like you have your medicine men. You have your your holy men. You have your seers. Yeah. One of the big things that you mentioned earlier is like there's a thing called like the Egyptian mystery schools. Mm. And a lot of that is uh, what the Knights Templar and like the the Freemasons would take and then you get into like Alphas Levi and the Baphomet. And mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's so like, it kind of does deserve its own like episode, you know, mm-hmm. because it's yeah. so vast. Yeah. And w- kind of last thing about which is in terms of kind of, it goes right in line with what you're saying, which is like a lot of people are um, basically think that witchcraft had its origins in, in a kind of sort of European shamanism, which is, just like you said, here in the States, we had Native American shamanism, you know, mm-hmm. all around the world, witch doctor type archetypes right. exist. Yeah, right. Another kind of word I, uh, that I think is, again, commonly misappropriated here is the word warlock, which we always think of, oh, okay, witch, A male. female, warlock, male. But it actually comes from an old Scottish word that means liar or traitor mm. and one who breaks faith. So... Mm. It's just interesting. Well, I think also witch was all, always used as like a in the derogatory mm-hmm. sense, you know. Um, maybe. Uh, some of them used to call it craft of the wise. Yeah, I mean, they, they would call them like wise women mm-hmm. or, you know, stuff like that. But I think like at least in the modern age, like anytime you heard, and I mean, by modern age, I mean like even like 17, 1800s, mm-hmm. like witch was more of like a, slightly derogatory oh type. for sure for sure you know yeah i mean you would hear like hedge witch and stuff and that mm-hmm. were like that was people that just had the you know like farmer's almanac style stuff mm-hmm. of like oh well that's this is just indian summer and yeah yeah they had religious rituals witches did um that kind of revolved around these <clears throat> things called sabbats mm-hmm. and uh it's interesting because i think a lot of times when you look at history and and uh words and how things were kind of you know, borrowed to kind of make things easier, like the conversion of people into Christianity and stuff like, you know, which came first, first, the Sabbath or Sabbaths? Oh, most, I mean, you know, Christianity pulled a whole lot of stuff from paganism. So lastly, kind of our favorite, uh, especially Tyler and, you know, would be the Druid. Mm, mm -hmm. So Druids is a Celtic word meaning oak wise, which is... Mm -hmm. Man alive, that right there is a perfect name for a yep. future character. Something that I sound, yep. you know, Jeremy Oakwise. Okay. Um, Jonathan. Jonathan Oakwise. Both witches and druids practice, quote unquote, natural magic. You know, witches have been known to kind of like mm-hmm. um, praise the moon and that kind of thing. And being more kind of in tune with nature. Natural magic is the magic that uses such things as plants and herbs and stones. And, you know, they're usually kind of known to be gentle, kind people trying to get in touch with nature. Also, that's where like, sa- like Samhain, like Halloween, the harvest. Mm-hmm. That's where all that stuff kind of comes from. According to this, man, Druids actually formed a priestly caste in Europe before the northward expansion of the Romans. And what little is known of them derives from Roman historians who reported that they worshipped the oak and mistletoe, which mm-hmm. they reaped with a golden sickle. Onto a white linen cloth. That's like Stonehenge. They believe is is tied in with like the uh, 
the Druids. Many modern Druids say that Julius Caesar's claim that the Druids practiced human sacrifice was simply propaganda. Mm. These are only some of the names. Now, even though this list was kind of exhaustive, I think, there are only some of the names used in the past and present to refer to magic and the people that practice it. And again, just to kind of like close it all up and stuff. Well, I, I well gotta, I'm just saying on my end. Okay, it's okay. basically like, you know, even with our sort of fascination, our being mine and Tyler's, but certainly just speaking for myself here, the fascination of magic in general and, and using it in Dungeons and Dragons and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm fascinated by that, if you'll notice, dude, I always end up playing like a character that's like noble, just, you know, healing magic. I'm not doing, like, I'm not going to be like some kind of evil, mm-hmm. you know, uh, warlock or something like that. So, um, Well, it's, it's, it's funny you say that because I'm always like sort of nature-based like anything that I've ever done, it's been like sort of like a druid or like a ranger that sort of has druid attributes. And so even with this this new campaign, my character is like technically a sorcerer, but mm-hmm. he's a sorcerer that's in like the Feywild. So it's like fairy based, which mm-hmm. is still still Very kind cool. of like nature, you know. But it it is interesting that like, I don't know, that there was such a push for that stuff in our sort of formative years back in middle school when like the craft came out mm. and like it was this like cool idea of, and that's probably why a lot of the reason that I th- I thought, and I still think sort of magic in that sense is cool. Like I no longer, I, I, I'm not, you're, you're not going to find me doing like rituals or, or any kind of like mm-hmm. actual magic, but like as far as like with storytelling and like, that stuff, like, those are always, like, my favorite characters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just so cool. But I do think, going back to, like, what you are talking about, like, with uh, with Satanism, I kind of have this theory that the Satanism that we know of with, like, Anton LaVey and, you know, that whole sort of era, of, which would lead into, like, like, satanic panic, like, they would play a role in that. I think that's all a literal, like government, you know, CIA PSYOP. I think it's a, and PSYOP is psychological operation. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think it was basically created to create sort of a straw man to put out in front of everybody of like, oh, oh yeah, look at this. We, we love Satan, even though it, it, you know, if you, if you ever hear anything about Satanism, like they never, oh, well, we don't actually believe in an actual like being, called Satan. We just believe like, you know, it's that sort of do what thou will. We believe that like there shouldn't be laws and like sort of anarchy and like everybody has free will to do whatever they want. I think that is a complete psyop to actually hide the actual sort of ritualistic beliefs of a lot of other folks. Uh, like there's a guy that I think is, is I mean, he was, he was like best friends and tied in like directly with Anton LaVey and again in Michael Aquino. And he would go on to create a thing called the Temple of Set. And I think that's a lot of like actual, what we would consider Satanism. I don't know that they're actually worshiping like truly Satan. I think it's more like like Baphomet and Moloch. Mm-hmm. And so more like, like these sort of- Now that we have those definitions, maybe even like demonism rather than Satanism. Well- 
kind of, but like like ball, like that sort of mm, Egyptian mystery school. Yeah. Well, it was like Sumerian, like ancient, like Babylonian, like deities. Mm-hmm. And it is weird because a lot of the stuff, the practices that these people were doing, like, you know, back in like the Babylonian days or like early, like, you know, Canaanites were doing, it is weird because a lot of this sort of ritualistic stuff is like pretty par for the course, you know. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into all that today, but I do think this the Church of Satan was created uh, so that a bunch of, you know, kids with bad home lives and nerds in high school could join up and be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like as cool as it gets. I don't, you know, I worship Satan. I think that was just a total psyop to keep eyes off of like people like Michael Aquino, who is a very, very high-ranking officer in the military who, you know, was coordinating certain things with Anton LaVey to create the Church of Satan. I just, yeah, I'm taking my conspiracy hat off, but I just had to put that out there. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm sure there are uh, listeners that uh, are equally in- interested in that stuff. Mm-hmm. That starts going down the trail that I would like, if I was given the choice between two rabbit trails to go down, mm-hmm. that's the one I would take last. And maybe if it was the mm-hmm. only one, just because I just, uh, <sighs> I don't even... I don't, I don't, that stuff, I mean, it start. It start, yeah, it starts to get a little too, and then like, yeah. I don't know. What I was going to say too, though, is I, I think ultimately just like a lot of the things that we talk about on the show, I think it's important for us all to kind of keep an open mind to it all. So when you start thinking about like the word magic, mm-hmm. keep in mind that it can mean a lot of different things and not all of yeah. them are evil. You know, I think when you start being, becoming, and I think this is where like there's the distinct sort of difference here in my Mm -hmm. mind. The same with like things like Harry Potter and all that. I think stories are awesome. But when you become a practitioner of things, do you know what I'm saying? Like if you start actually trying to perform rituals and stuff. I think it takes a whole new. It takes a whole new thing Turn. and i think that there's a, there's a to me there's a distinct difference there you know and i think sure. again no judgment if someone wants to practice the old ways of native american shamanism or whatever mm-hmm. go for it man whatever you mm-hmm. whatever you think that's not what i necessarily uh subscribe to or mm-hmm. want my you know it's not even that i wouldn't want my kids it, it, it's hard to explain because well, that's a pretty that's a pretty like uh and again this could be my uh ignorance here but that that one seems like a little like not user friendly but like less nefarious than than hey dad i i you know i'm i'm wanting to do some um rituals to you know any of those character ball and you know all that kind of stuff in comparison to like hey i've learned some like druidic sort of earth medicines we talk about that all the time you and i not Mm -hmm. on the show but like you know like homeopathic um remedies and things like that guess where all of that kind of comes from that's it kind of every bit is that path of yeah that sort of quote-unquote druidic or um Mm -hmm. medicine man type thing i think i think when it becomes ritualistic and, and that kind of stuff then that's when it sort of dives into that area of like, well, I'm not real comfortable of, you know, with, with doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, and that's that's why I think it, you know, when you were talking about like the black and white magic, that, that's why I feel like it's, it's kind of a tough thing because uh, like, for example, um, you know, and yes, we're still going to do a show on this guy. It's been three seasons and we still haven't got it, but like John D. 
so John D and Edward Kelly, they, you know, would spend all this time like communicating with angels and like, you know, these quote unquote angels gave them like the like Enochian language, which, you know, that goes back to like the book of Enoch and like all this kind of stuff. But I think it's hard to say, oh, well, that's white or that's black magic because John D was a super hardcore, like by the book, devoted Christian. But at the same time, we know we wouldn't, you know, you'd find out later that this Edward Kelly guy who was the um, sort of the conduit, he was the one who was sort of working as like a type of mediumship, I guess, to like sort of convey these these things that were being given to him by angels. Mm-hmm. I think it was, there's probably a lot of like dark stuff. And I think that's that's the fear with, with some of this stuff. And that's what you're saying. And I think, yeah. it, I mean, I, I think it can even work with like even like you know native american like shamanism and just any other forms of like shamanism i think if you're opening yourselves up enough there's always going to be the fear no matter how experienced you are no matter how righteous your motivations are in this i still think that there's it does allow like a space for like other things to come in and i think like with the ouija board you know, and with like, like our episode on like, uh, like Loab or Loeb, you know, it's that same kind of thing. It always sort of appears as like something good, or I'm a, I'm a child spirit that I'm in trouble. I need your help. Da, 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 da. And then eventually it will reveal itself as, as being something like dark. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it reminds me of, I guess, what I understand to be the basic premise of the new Flash movie, but also Spider-Man No Way Home or whatever, when you think you're doing something good. Right. And you end up diving into something that you don't know a dang thing about, and you Mm -hmm. end up opening opportunity to a bunch of other bad stuff that's just going to happen. You spend the rest of the time, or a movie in this case, trying to fix it all. Well, even, even like with Aleister Crowley, he he would talk about these like being like communicating with, with like what he called his, his holy guardian angels. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I'm pretty sure the guy who claims to be the wickedest man in the world, I'm pretty sure that, that doesn't go really work hand in hand with angels as we know them in the biblical sense. Mm-hmm. This is another thing I was going to say, and I think I brought this up before, but I think I do believe that there, and a lot of folks will use the term like alchemy or being an alchemist. I think this does like pertain to what I'm talking about, but I think that, and you and I have talked about this before, I think that there there are things in this world, sort of secret things or things that we would call magic that are ways of almost like hacking the system. Yeah, no, no, we wouldn't just call it magic. We're 80s kids, dude. We would call them cheat codes. <laughs> or like cheat codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think I think those things weren't... I mean, you know, even like biblically, it talks about how, you know, the fallen angels would come down and, and they showed us magic. That's a big thing in like the books of like the Apocrypha, which are the, the books written in between the New and the Old Testament. But they basically talk about these fallen angels showing us the secret science... Uh, sciences and teaching us like magic and I mean they they blatantly call it like witchcraft and so mm-hmm. I think these like cheat codes 
I don't think they're necessarily like for us to use, you know, I just think sort of the rules of like, or like sort of the cosmic protocol of like what we were supposed to do here on earth. I don't think we're supposed to like mess with that stuff. Mm -hmm. But on the same hand, I think that when we see, you know, Jesus, who was the, the son of God, he was divine. But when he was here on earth, he was, he was flesh and blood just like us. I think you would see him even tapping into a lot of these things. Like when he multiplied the food for the masses, like, you know, he had to have fish and a loaf of bread or whatever. And through that, he was able to create, you know, feed, you know, the multitudes. Mm -hmm. Same with like the blind man. He would have to reach down, he would spit right. in the mud and rub it on his eye. I think- Was it just like snap fingers? Not yeah, blind. right, yeah. right. And I've always thought that. And I, th and I think there is something to these guys who are doing it. We'll just say like wield, the, Dude, they're trying to wield a power that- that isn't meant for us. Yeah, dude, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, th and I think that's why a lot of these, these folks like Crowley, I think that's why they, it will always kind of like turn dark. Mm -hmm. It'll always like start opening yourself up to be like, oh, well, I'm communicating with these holy guardian angels, but, but that's weird. They're telling me that I need to, you know, go out and do this Babylon ritual and sacrifice a, a scarlet woman. And mm -hmm. like, it just always kind of, gets dark. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pretty so, quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, one of the things that we said maybe once or like however many times we've talked about sort of like the, uh, the cheat codes mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing. I think it, for folks that are like extremely, what's the proper way to say it? Like, it, like hardcore about. Like devout. Yeah. Super devout and stuff. They might think of you like describing that as being, Blasphemous or anything like that. And so, no, no, no. I just want to I'm make sure that, at all. Uh, that people understand we're not trying to be, anytime we talk about belief system, like disrespectful of whatever somebody believes. Mm -hmm. You know, I think to me, those kind of ideas, while I know people in my life would like kind of scoff at that. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying, I, I just want to say again, I'm, we're, we're definitely not being blasphemous. I just, I think, I think it's important just to say that like, there, so I learned this from a guy named Michael Heiser, who I'm a huge fan of, and he recently passed away from, from I think, pancreatic cancer, maybe, but one of the most genius theologians that, that's ever lived. And he gets in this thing where he's talking about how, you know, when we're talking about Moses and we're talking about how, like, the Pharaoh had his sort of court of, like, magi or magicians— and, you know, they were able to make their rods turn into snakes and they were able to do all these wonders. And I think it's just important to know or, or to, to say that, like, even back then, that was a common thing. Like these magical practices, wherever they were coming, whatever the motivations were. And, you know, obviously the Pharaoh was not great and we're rooting for Moses. But it it was it was commonly known that, like, these people were capable of doing actual magic. And so all of this whole episode, we're just sort of carrying that over and saying like, whether you believe it, whether you don't believe it, like, but throughout history, this is, this is something that a lot of people have put their whole lives into. And, and even in the Bible, 
while we think uh, the God Almighty for sure would be the most powerful, it's it's still important to note that these other folks were were commonly doing these like magical acts mm-hmm. and and they were actually producing like things that you know scientifically couldn't be couldn't be sort of written off you know what i mean mm-hmm. now you're saying like were there there were other people walking on water and stuff no 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 okay. no, 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 no 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 i'm not oh i have that. a scientific theory about that too but neither here nor there no i i just think that like i think in our modern age we and this is a big thing that Michael Heiser was was big on is is in our modern age we sort of look we sort of compartmentalize like oh well that's just the stuff that happened in the Bible and then all that's just completely gone and my thing you know when I get into sort of the more conspiratorial like worship of like Baal and like Moloch and and all that stuff it's like why would we just assume that like all this stuff only existed back in the Bible days. Yeah, I think like, people's argument typically on that, like when you're talking about miracles and things like that, is that what you're talking about? Or are you just talking about like... No, 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 deities? I'm just talking about like the belief in these like, you know, what we would consider like false gods in the Bible. And then these rituals that that were giving people some sort of power, like the cheat codes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying like, I think it's, it's weird when... Totally. When people just say, oh, no, 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 that stuff doesn't exist anymore. That's only in the Bible. And yeah. it's like, well, how do we know that didn't carry on, you know? Oh, oh yeah, dude, it's infuriating because, like, truly, the, the my main argument against something like that that viewpoint would be, mm-hmm. like, I think that in, in it's it kind of seems simplistic whenever I say it out loud, but hopefully you can kind of see the complexity here, which is if you can believe that there's good power— then you right. almost have to believe that there's bad, right? I and mean, that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 exactly. That perfectly sums it up. Yeah. Well, I think we got if go. we, <laughs> if we, if we didn't confuse you too much, we'll see you next week. And if we didn't offend you too much, we'd love to have you back on next week's episode because we are getting into what I believe is Camp Rad. No, 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 nope. Son of a no, no, no. We'll be, uh, we, but we will be announcing what this year's Camp Rad Strangeness theme mm. is going to be. It's uh, exciting. Next, in next week's episode. And also, it's kind of my turn. I'm going to be bringing very interesting topic that I think is extremely topical. Mm-hmm. You know, first episode in June, basically. Yeah, dude, it's going to be awesome. We, uh, we have a bunch of cool stuff ready to roll and uh, we cannot wait to share it with you. Uh, if you want to find us, hit us on Instagram. Feel free to jump in the comments, shoot us DMs if if there's certain topics that we haven't covered that you'd love to hear us tackle. Or if maybe you have your own paranormal story or local urban legend or any of that kind of stuff, we'd love to hear about it. If you prefer to write it out in more of like a long form type format, uh, feel free to shoot it over to that would be rad pod at gmail.com. Even better than that is that would be radpodcast.com where our website, you can give five-star reviews, you can leave comments, you can uh, jump on and listen to episodes, but most importantly, you can leave your own voice memo of your own story. And, uh, you know, if you approve this, we can take that and put some killer sound design and music in the background. And we just love that stuff. I I guess you would say we're like collectors of of that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. really. But yeah, we'd love to hear it. Uh, if you have time, go out there, leave a five-star review on 
whether it be Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast, go out there, tell one single friend about the show. Maybe that weird guy that you work with who, you know, you've heard him say Project Bluebeam one or two times. That's the guy that's going to love this show. For those folks who are just still not getting enough from our main feed, feel free to join our rabbit trail, which is our Patreon. There's many different tiers uh, that could fit your financial situation. And uh, we'd love to have you over there. It's a lot of the same, but a little looser, a little later at night, a little unbuttoned, if you will. But we'd love to have you over there. Woody, can you think of anything else? I think that's it, pal. All righty, pal. Well, we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it Future would be